If you have a Bible and would like to turn with me in the book of Jude, we're nearing the end, and we are today in verses 22 and 23. I'm going to read first out of the New King James, and then I'm actually going to read out of another translation, the English Standard Version, after that. And you'll see there's a slight difference, and I'll try to explain Later, But in the New King James, verse 22 of Jude says, And on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now in the English Standard Version we read, And have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire, To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you, by the Holy Spirit, would speak and teach us clearly what you are saying in this passage and how it applies to our lives. Help us, we pray, to understand and apply in Jesus' name. Amen. Am I my brother's keeper? Remember those were the words of Cain when the Lord confronted him after, uh, well, before he had murdered his brother Abel concerning the whereabouts of his brother. And he said, am I my brother's keeper? Uh, In the church today, many of us would use Cain's words to excuse uh, any concern, perhaps, over our brothers and sisters in Christ. And and when I say not caring, I'm saying that sometimes we don't care enough to actually get involved when someone gets into spiritual trouble. Uh, and, And so if we know another Christian who has wandered from God, who has gotten into trouble somehow, um... Should we leave them alone? Should we let others take care of the situation? Or should we pursue them? Are we our brother's keeper? Is the question. And Jude, you see, is telling us uh, that yes, we do have a responsibility toward our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Well, so far in this letter, uh, Jude has thoroughly warned us about false teachers. He has uh, told us that we ought to build ourselves up in our faith. We ought to pray in the Holy Spirit. We need to keep ourselves in God's love. And we need to keep our eyes looking expectantly for the mercy of God coming to us at Christ's return. These are things we do for ourselves so that we are able to contend for the faith. We're able to uh, be you know, discerning so that we don't fall or false teaching that's so prevalent uh, in every age, really. Uh, But here's the thing. We're not strengthened in faith merely for ourselves alone. Uh, That's never the case. We are strengthened in our faith that we might help others who are weak uh, and vulnerable um, and need help. So God wants to strengthen us. In Ephesians 6, it says, be strong in the in the in the strength of the Lord, and that is for yourself, yes. 
but it's also to help others in need. And so Jude gives us some helpful instructions in these two verses uh, to guide us in how we might approach people at various stages uh, of need and, and problem um, uh, in, in the Christian life. And before we get into Jude's uh, directions for helping others spiritually, I want to try to give a little background about the, uh, the differences we find in certain translations of the Bible with regard to these two verses. As you know, uh, the English translations that we have today are based upon their translations of the Greek New Testament. And uh, the, uh, the Greek New Testament uh, books were written uh, in Greek, in Koine Greek. It the co- was the common Greek, not classical Greek, but the common Greek language of the day. And though we do not have the original uh, writings of these apostolic books, we do have large numbers of good uh, ancient copies or manuscripts of the New Testament books. And so what we do, what, what uh, textual critics do, and that's critics in a good sense, they're trying to determine uh, you know, what is the most accurate version or copy that we have as they compare and contrast these copies. So uh, the vast majority of copies agree, uh, agree fully with each other, with a few small exceptions. And these two verses in Jude are one of those places where there's not full agreement because different manuscripts say different things and uh, a lot of scholars and translators have difficulty deciding uh, which of these Jude wrote. So uh, the King James and the New King James versions uh, have mentioned in these two verses that there are two groups or two uh, exhortations given uh, to these two groups of people. More recent translations, such as the English Standard Version, the New International Version, uh, have three groups. So New King James says, on some have compassion, others save with fear. English Standard Version says, have mercy on those who doubt, others snatch out of the fire, to others show mercy with fear, and so on. So there's three. Um, and most scholars agree that the, uh, the English Standard Version, the New International Version with three groupings is the most accurate. Either way, no, no doctrine of the faith is, is affected. There's, there's no, real, um, no, no, no real difference of doctrine here. But, but I'm convinced, uh, after reading as much as uh, I read and studied about this this week, that the English Standard Version has it right. So I'm going to use that, departing from the New King James, as I normally do, uh, normally read and preach out of, and use the ESV. So now uh, the problem comes having to interpret these verses. So let's dig in and uh, taking the ESV with three groups, we'll have three points. And, and the, the basic issue here, the basic admonition to us in the church from Jude is that we uh, need to re- recognize our responsibility to re- rescue those who are in spiritual trouble. And so the first point is that you and I need to have mercy on those who are doubting. 
on those who are doubting. And that, in the King James, it says, and some make a distinction. Well, they're, they're, the word there uh, is, is connected. To, to, to doubt is to, is to go, be between two different opinions, you see. Um, but remember, at the end of verse 21, uh, what Jude said. He told us to be looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. In other words, we're to look for that mercy coming to us, to have a hope, an expectant hope of, of that mercy coming uh, when Christ returns. Clearly, now that we get into these two verses, we are not to sit around on the mountaintop just sitting there doing nothing, waiting for his coming. Right? And we already knew that because in Matthew 28, Jesus gave the disciples, gave us the Great Commission. And he said, go, therefore, uh, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to obey all things I've commanded you. Uh, and so make disciples. In order to make disciples, we first have to evangelize them. That is to, to give them the gospel, to lead them to Christ. And then we baptize them. That is to bring them into the church. <clears throat> and then begins this lifelong process of discipleship. So if you are a Christian, if you have come to know Jesus Christ by saving faith, you're a disciple. And it's a process of learning and growing. And, and, uh, and so if... Those who are making disciples, those who are teaching and helping and leading others, uh, and, and that includes, of course, the leaders of the church. It includes other Christians who are perhaps more mature, have grown and advanced in their uh, being a disciple. They can help others. And, and here's the ideal. Ideally, we get saved and we begin to follow Jesus. And, and there's this onward, upward path of growth. Growing in grace every day in order to become mature disciples. We know, however, that the ideal and the real don't always converge. The reality of the Christian life is not onward and upward and never, uh, never faltering. Uh, many times we see growth spurts followed by decline. Uh, we see three steps forward sometimes and two steps back. Maybe sometimes we see two forward and three back. But uh, ultimately there is progress, but it's not always just a straight, narrow path forward in growth. That's the ideal. That's what we're aiming at. <clears throat> so many times we see spiritual decline. Uh, Octavius Winslow, a preacher of old, wrote a treatise uh, titled Personal Declension and revival of religion in the soul. If anyone wants to read that book, you can find it free online. Uh, but he wrote about the problem that every believer faces from time to time, that of spiritual decline. Our tendency is to experience spiritual decline or decay. Sometimes we wander. We sing in the, in, in the hymn, you know, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. And Winslow said this. He said, we say then true grace is indestructible grace. It can never die. In other words, if you have been the recipient of, sa of saving grace in Jesus Christ, that grace cannot die. You cannot be lost if you are truly in Christ. So grace can never die. 
true grace. But, he said, it may decay, may suffer decay. So spiritual decline, how does it happen? Well, uh, if you want the detailed answer, read his book. But uh, spiritual decline can happen uh, from a, no- a number of uh, reasons, and that is, first of all, we may, maybe we just neglect this, the means of grace. We come to church sporadically. We don't read the Bible, but occasionally, and things like that. We pray seldom. Well, that's going to lead to spiritual decline if you don't take advantage of the means of grace. Other ways that we experience spiritual decay is that uh, uh, we are led away by fleshly desires that we haven't put to death. Uh, you know, Romans 8.13 says, put to death the deeds of the body. Mortify those deeds of the flesh. Uh, and if you don't put them to death, they, they will take back the day and you will experience decline. It also can occur, uh, especially if whenever a weak or vulnerable Christian... Uh, a, a new, a young Christian, uh, or an immature Christian is led away by the ungodly, by the false teachers that Jude has been describing for us in his book. Uh, uh, they may be taken advantage of because they're, they're not uh, fully grounded in their faith. However, I do want to say, if we keep doing the things Jude said in verses 20 to 21, there's four instructions, if you remember, that I covered over three weeks time, uh, we, if we take heed to putting those into practice, we will, in essence, uh, for the most part, avoid spiritual decline. And if, by God's grace, we are being kept from backsliding, from spiritual decline, then uh, God would call us, I believe, uh, to be a help to others. First of all, our, our very example is a help. Right? Because people see us. They see us faithfully attending church, faithfully in the Word, faithfully in prayer. And, and, and they see that we're walking with the Lord. Not that we're perfect, but they see that God is at work. Uh, finishing that work in us that He began, and so on. But we also um, may be called to come alongside uh, a brother or sister in Christ. Those who are spiritual... Uh, Galatians 6.1, Paul says in Galatians 6.1, should, uh, should help those who are in need. So, of course, the pastors and the elders of the church have a very clear duty and responsibility in this area. And that's why we do encourage you at the beginning of every service that if you have a need, please talk with us. Please talk with the pastor. Please talk with the elders. Uh, they will pray with you. They will listen to you. They will help you. Uh, and we have others who are who are uh, trained and qualified just as mature Christians. Some have been trained in counseling who can help you, biblical counseling. But here's what Jude says. He says, and have mercy on those who doubt. And the New King James says, on some have compassion. It's, it's the same Greek word. And, and really to have mercy is to show compassion. And it means to help the afflicted. It means to... Bring help to the wretched. We talked about that last week. To help someone who is seeking aid. Now the temptation for us as Christians, perhaps we think we're doing pretty well. And we look around at someone and we say, well, um, that person's not doing so good. What is wrong with them? Uh, they, they ought to know better. 
and we kind of look our, down our noses at them uh, because we think uh, that we're more spiritual. Well, uh, that kind of attitude is not helpful, uh, especially when we fall into a judgmental frame of mind. And instead of having pity and compassion on those who are, uh, who are in decline, uh, we only offer condemnation. So some think this way. Well, why should I worry about other Christians and what's going on with them? I have enough trouble dealing with my own problems. Right? I'm trying to get my walk with the Lord going. And uh, I, I can't help someone else. Well, it, you know, there's a fine line, right? Sometimes, yeah, you're the one needing help. But uh, sometimes we can just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, I, you know, I, I just it's not my concern. You remember the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? You remember the priest sees the man who's been beaten and attacked and he's lying in the ditch and he walks right by. He says, not my concern. And then a Levite comes and this injured man is there needing help. And he says, not my problem. And he walks right by. But a Samaritan came by who normally was, by the Jews, was not thought to be a godly person ever. Uh, but the Samaritan came by, and it says, And when he saw him, the man in the ditch, he had compassion. He had compassion. And you know the rest of the story. He helps the man. He takes him to an inn, carries him there himself, and uh, he provided for his needs until he got better. Well, Jude is mentioning not a person who is suffering from physical injuries, but from spiritual injuries. Uh, Problems such as one who is doubting. He mentions one who is doubting. You know, there's there are times when every Christian has doubts about the faith. On the serious side, there are some who will will question the very uh, truth of Scripture itself. Uh, That's a serious temptation. And of course, the devil is that's his that's his uh, original temptation, isn't it? Did God really say the devil gets us to doubt the word of God? And some people get into serious doubts about the Bible, about the, the veracity of Scripture. But more commonly, uh, the, the doubts that we might have are the kind of doubts that keep us from tr- fully trusting in the Lord when we're undergoing a trial. Uh, how can I trust God in this particular Situation, and we and we have doubts. Will, will God heal me? Will God come through for me? Will God work things out uh, for me? And those are those are common doubts. Uh, and and in such cases, in such cases, it may be if we're one who is uh, who is trusting in God, who is seeking to walk with God, and we see someone who's struggling with doubts and so on. Um, they're in a tough spot. Uh, sometimes maybe all we need to do is just be there for them and just to come and listen uh, to them and their concerns. And maybe we offer encouragement. Maybe we offer prayer. And uh, perhaps we even open the scriptures and, and show them a verse or two that might encourage them or send them a text with that verse, whatever it is. Maybe we need to engage the help of, of a pastor, an elder, or more, more mature Christian to um you know, to help if the doubts or the struggles are of a more advanced nature. But the main point for us 
is not to ignore um, or, on the other hand, condemn another Christian who's struggling. Okay? Uh, not to ignore, not to condemn those who are struggling because uh, they need compassion. They need mercy. They need the mercy of God, but they need that mercy that comes tangibly through his people. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7, you see, uh, first of all, God is merciful, and he wants us to imitate him in that way. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Uh, So if you want to experience more of the mercy of God in your own life, then begin to show it uh, to those around you. But secondly, in, in our passage, if we would be those who uh, take part in this rescuing of those in spiritual trouble, secondly, we are going to have to snatch others, we're going to have to snatch some people out of the fire. Um, and after mentioning those who doubt, he moves on to the second category. Uh, snatch people out of the fire. These people are being scorched by the fire of sin and error. And so this is an analogy, of course. Uh, and, you know, they're not literally on fire. Uh, and with this analogy, it has been suggested by some that we think of ourselves as a fireman. I don't know if anybody in here has ever been a fireman, been on a, a, a volunteer fireman, or maybe you served as a fireman. But we know essentially what firemen do, right? Uh, particularly, they, they, they not only save buildings, try to save uh, buildings, but if there's people in those buildings, they try to rescue those people. Uh, so these doubters, the first group, they're, these are people who are near the fire, and perhaps they're fascinated by it. And we're there to say, stay away, stay away. And then the second group of people have gone further into error and sin. They're, they're in the burning house. Uh, they haven't been burned up yet, but they're in the fire. And they've been taken in, you see, by the deceptions of the ungodly uh, who have crept into the church or whose ideas are simply out there uh, in the world. And they're in serious danger. They need to be dealt with a little differently than the first group. Now, if you knew someone was uh, in a burning building and you were a fireman, you wouldn't just go up to them and say, come on out, you don't need to be in there. I suggest that you leave the building. No, you go in and firemen risk their lives every day and you are a little more forceful for their own sake, for their own safety, uh, you bring them out, you grab them, and you take them out, and you lead them by the hand, whatever you need to do. But <clears throat> you would do your best to rescue them because it is a matter of life or death. Now Jude says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. And that word save, is it means rescue. Uh, but... Of course, uh, you and I can never save anyone spiritually, but God might use us as an instrument of his salvation. Uh, God does the saving, but he uses people. And so here's another thing that we, uh, a problem that we have is that we see someone who is in danger and, and maybe they're in this second category uh, and they're in the fire, so to speak. 
but we think, well, it's not that urgent, is it? Um, you know, I, I'll put it off uh, another day uh, in the future. But, you know, when someone is in, in the fire, if someone is in grave spiritual danger, it's an urgent need. Uh, it's not something that should be put off. And these people who are in the fire, I would say some examples could be uh, someone who has left the church and maybe they started attending a church that's, that's liberal, that doesn't believe the Bible, doesn't preach the gospel, teaches a false gospel. Uh, maybe they've quit going to church altogether. Maybe they have begun to develop a secular worldview that they don't identify with Christ and his truths in their lives. And, and they see the Christian faith as irrelevant. Uh, so the time to try and rescue such people is not five years after they left the church. It's now. It's today. Uh, and, and as soon as possible. And so we go after them as quickly as we can. We, we, we're a little firmer with them. We warn them uh, of the path that they're on. We still speak to them in love, but with a seriousness that lets them know of the peril that they are in. We have Old Testament examples of uh, this, this metaphor of snatching out of the fire in Amos 4.11. It says, I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Well, if we go back to Sodom and Gomorrah that Amos is referencing here, uh, who was pulled out of the fire in Brimstone before it came? Well, it was Lot and his family. Uh, the angels came along in this case and literally took them by the hand and led them out of Sodom before it burned up, before God rained down fire upon it. Genesis 19 reads, it says, The angels urged Lot to hurry. See the urgency. Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, that's Lot, uh, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. Do you see what's happening? There's a rescue going on, and they took their hands, and they pulled them out. But that was God being merciful to them, and brought him out and set him outside the city. So the angels really rescued Lot and his family Snatching them out of the fire. Sadly, we know Lot's wife later looked back. She longed to go back to Sodom. Even after she saw the smoke rising, she wished she could go back. She turned into a pillar of salt. And not everyone, you see, that we try to help will respond, will they? If you know Jesus Christ by faith, first of all, remember that you were snatched from the fire. You were pulled from the very jaws of hell. Someone brought the gospel to you. Parent, friend, preacher, teacher, random witness. In my case, someone came up to me. I'd never met a total stranger and asked if he could talk to me about Jesus Christ and the gospel. And 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 he was doing he was on a rescue mission. And God used it in my own life. So Someone brought the gospel to you somehow, and you turned from your sins. You received Christ. You were saved from the fires of eternal hell. And 
in light, first of all, in light of what God has done for you, don't look back. Don't long for that place of burning. Uh, the world, the Bible says the world is perishing and it's going to be destroyed. Uh, we should not long for the old life that we had before we came to Christ. Um, so don't go back to the fire again. And secondly, if someone was willing to get involved in your life and be part of a rescue to snatch you from the fire, are you willing to be that someone in someone else's life to rescue them? And it may be that the person you could help is someone who's clearly unsaved. They don't know the Lord. I think this applies here. Uh, maybe someone who is professes Christian faith, but they are living like someone who is not a Christian. But what we can do is to urge them to plead with them to turn from their sins, from their false beliefs, warn them of the danger, and tell them to come to Christ or come back to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. You see, God is pleading through us when we speak for him. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. <clears throat> We're ambassadors for Christ. We're uh, ambassadors slash firemen for Christ. And so we implore these wayward saints and lost sinners to be reconciled to God. Second Corinthians 9.11 says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We know that God's terror, his wrath, his threats are real. Uh, we're... We don't believe that God was kidding around when he said that there's an everlasting lake of fire and that some will be cast into it along with the devil and his angels one day for all eternity. So is there someone perhaps that's on your mind today as I'm talking about these things? Begin to pray for them. Look for an opportunity to talk to them. Uh, be willing to get involved Again, uh, we'll see in this final uh, final group that we must exercise great caution. Thirdly, in the passage, if we're going to be part of the rescue operation for those who are in spiritual trouble, then we need to show mercy to others with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Uh, so this third group of people, according to Hendrickson and his commentary, says these are those who persist in sin. We would say uh, they're not near the fire, they're not in the fire, they're on fire. Uh, their clothes are burning. Uh, they're, they're, they're already, uh, they've already been damaged, they've already uh, begun to follow uh, the false teachers, they've begun to live a life uh, with purpose that is anti Christ, and so on. And yet, uh, Jude says, uh, he repeats this word mercy. So even those who are far along in sin and error, who are obstinate even and intentional in that, uh, we still need to have mercy on them. We think of the Apostle Paul, who was Saul, of course. Saul was persecuting the church. He was uh, hardcore about uh, putting Christians into prison and having them put to death. And yet God had mercy on him. So we need to have mercy even on the most hardened uh, sinners. And he said, do so with fear, or as some translations say, with caution. Uh, in other words, when we try to help people who are 
uh, entrenched in their position and so on. Maybe they joined a cult or something. Uh, we need to be very careful that we're not influencing. See, they, they are already trying to influence other people. And, uh, and so we have to be cautious as Galatians 6, 1 says, Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. We need to have a very uh, humble uh, you know, attitude here because we're not infallible, we're not, we're, we're not beyond temptation, and, and we're not beyond falling. Um, so we need to be careful. Jude says, Hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Well, there are a number of different suggestions here about what this means. I think the most plausible is, <clears throat> is th- that probably Jude is thinking about Old Testament laws dealing with leprosy. And uh, if, if, a, if someone's clothing was contaminated by leprosy, for example, Leviticus 13 says, if a garment has a leprous plague in it, you shall therefore burn that garment which is in the plague and it is an active leprosy, the garment shall be burned with fire. So in helping others, uh, we need to be careful that we're not contaminated with what contaminated them uh, in their sinful ways, in their erroneous thinking. So we need to hate sin and avoid it like the plague, avoid it like clothes that are contaminated with the plague and still have live plague in those clothes. We are to love the sinner but hate the sin. And be very careful. So, out of love, again, that might call, you know the fact that we have to be very cautious. It might keep us from helping people at all. Uh, that would be wrong. Uh, um, but we need to be careful, nonetheless. So, out of love, we warn people of the danger they're in. If they're believing heresy, we let them know it. If they're living in adultery, they're practicing homosexuality. Uh, we don't miss any words. We tell them, you know, the Bible says neither adulterers nor homosexuals nor sodomites nor thieves nor drunkards will inherit the kingdom of God. And we tell it to them straight. Well, the Puritan Thomas Manton in his commentary on Jude writes this in conclusion. He says, pluck them out of the fire. Warn them to flee from the wrath to come. Minister, are you sensible of the danger of souls? Are your words as burning coals? Do they pierce through the heart of a sinner? Christian, are you sensible of the danger of your carnal neighbors? They are burning in their beds. And will you not cry fire, fire? They're besotted with lust and error. And will you leave them alone? Oh, how unkind. Am I my brother's keeper? Should I not pity those? And have be concerned about those who have fallen away from the Lord or who are lost in sin. Should I not be willing to speak the truth in love to those who have been deceived by false teaching? Well, many who have fallen for false teaching are simply naive, confused, and, and they, need, they need help. They need Jesus. They need someone to straighten them out. Tell them the gospel perhaps over again. But I want to ask you, will you care enough to talk to those who are in danger? Will you seek to show mercy to them and point them to a Savior who is the source of mercy itself? 
Yes, you and me, we are our brother's keeper, our sister's keeper. And God has put us here to care, to reach out to those who are in spiritual decline, spiritual confusion, spiritual darkness, spiritual conflagration. They're in the fire, they're near the fire, they're they're on fire. Um, Let's bring the the water of God's word into their lives and and to help uh, quench that fire and bring them to where they need to be. Maybe God will use you. Uh, Well, let's, let's go to the Lord.